0: And grow as we go Guys, good morning. Hopefully you are doing well. Uh, man, we're landing the plane um, on this series, Grow, today. Um, over the years, friends from high school, college, and graduate school are no longer in vocational ministry, and some have even deconverted from following Jesus. I mean, every story, heart it just is heartbreaking. It makes me sad because some of, these, some of these people were so talented, so gifted, and they made the local church better. For most of them, it started out with a negative situation, event, tragedy, or hurt. See, the ironic thing with all of that is there are people who come to know faith because of a negative circumstance, a negative situation, a, a pain, a tragedy, an event, a hurt. For others, it was a hobby. It was a lot like taking up football where friends are doing it. It's a good way to find approval from your dad. Um, and you usually give it up when your body says no more. It was a lot like that for them. It, it was something they were interested in early on. Uh, their friends were, were going to church or it was something they grew up doing. But when it no longer interested them, they went on to something else. And I often heard, I've heard, in these conversations with my friends, I heard things like this. Well, if God... If God, if God can stop evil, then why did he allow my kid to be abused? If God could stop anything, if God doesn't like evil, and he can stop evil, then why did he allow me to be abused? Where was God when, when my wife lost our baby? And when they get no audible response or even a solid answer, they walk away. It typically looks like this. They go a few days without praying, reading the Bible, missing a few Sundays. Then it's a few months. And then, before they know it, all of that time is filled with other things. Maybe you've seen the deconversion of friends and family. Maybe you've deconverted and maybe you've come back. Maybe you've heard the reasoning of God is good, then why is there so much suffering in the world? My friends from over other countries who live in countries that it's forbidden to have a Bible, they probably should be the ones to answer that question as they have maintained their faith through suffering. If I'm being honest, it seems incredibly lazy to blame the suffering of people as a way to walk away from God when people who follow Jesus suffer and they don't walk away. At the heart of the gospel, our message of good news that we want to share with people is the worst thing happened to the best person ever so that people suffering because of sin could be promised an eternity without suffering. And this means that when Jesus says, follow me, he's saying, I want you to identify with me. I want you to, I want you to mimic my life. I want you to, I want you to be like me. And, and as I suffer, you will suffer for me. You will suffer for my name's sake. Out of all my friends and family, two really stick out, Steve and James. Steve and James both suffered, and they handled their suffering differently. One walked away, and one remained faithful. So what makes the difference between those who walk away when something bad happens and those who stick it out or those who remain faithful when something bad happens? We're going to look into that in just a minute. Now, this whole series started out as a survey we put out during the summer to our church. We were like, listen, what do you want to learn? What are some things you want to learn? What are some things you feel like you want more information on or answers on or responses on? And people said, I want to know more about faith. I want to know more about how do I persevere? How do I keep going in my journey with God? How do I keep doing it? So we created the series, Grow. And it comes really on the foundation of Jesus says, follow me. Not just believe me, but to follow me. Following is active, it's relational. At times it's demanding, at times it's uncomfortable, at times it's inconvenient. And over the years it seems like we've sort of reduced it in the American church to, hey, just believe and you're in. You get your fire insurance and you're good to go. But there's so much more to believing in Jesus. It's following him. He wants us to follow him. See, one of the things we've talked about over the last month has been God wants us to grow our faith. God wants you to grow your faith. God wants me to grow my faith. And the way we do it is by trusting him. There are going to be moments when things are going great. You see God coming through for you. There's going to be times where you don't see God coming through for you. In both cases, hopefully as we've spent time with God, we get to know Him. We get to know His character, His nature. We know things of God. We know some things about Him. And there are moments where things do not work out the way that we have prayed for them to work out. Things have not gone the way that we've expected them to work out by doing all the right things. And in the middle is a gap between of who we know God to be and what we are experiencing. And in that gap, we choose to trust God. We choose to trust Him. That is how we begin to really develop our faith. He is most honored by our active, relational, interactive, growing faith when it seems that He is not answering our prayers. So in the series, we've been answering this question, what fuels the development of our growing faith? And we believe there are five things that God uses to grow our faith. We believe that Jesus taught each and every one of them. So the first one is practical teaching. We learn that when we apply God's word, we see God faithful and honoring his word, our faith begins to grow. Jesus said, listen, I want you to build your life on me. Be like that person who builds a house on a rock. And that rock, that foundation, is me and my teachings. When we obey God, when he comes through, our trust in him deepens. Second week, we saw that not only do we have practical teaching, but God also uses personal ministry. We learned that humility allows us to experience God's strength in our weakness. That we are, by nature, we are pulled to selfishness. And one way to combat that is by serving other people. We are the most like Jesus when we serve. The third week, we learned that God uses providential relationships. We learn that we may not see it in the moment. But when we look back, we see the evidence of God providing those people in our lives at just the right time for us to take a next step with him. That we see that God takes pleasure in airdropping people into our lives at just the right moment to get us back on track. It could have been your spouse It could have been that boyfriend or girlfriend. It could have been your coach. It could have been your small group leader. It could have been that person that went through that addiction, and they are coming and helping you through that. Last week, we looked at the fourth one. That was private disciplines. We learned that the private disciplines are the lifeblood to our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We challenged each other to give it a try for a month. What would it look like if we gave our Heavenly Father... The first minutes of our day, the first dollars of our income, and the first day of the week. Today, we're going to look at the fifth and final thing that God uses to grow our faith, and that's pivotal circumstances. When people share their testimony or their story, they say things like this, and maybe you've heard these things, but these are legit statements that I've heard from people. Someone once told me, when our oldest came along, we knew that we needed to get back into attending church or services another person told me when we lost our baby we had nowhere to turn but to god for strength someone was someone else told me if i didn't marry her i would not be the husband and father i am today without her prayers and example and then someone else said there wasn't for the prayers of the women in my church when I went through my separation, I am not sure I'd still be married to the same man. Whew. See, all of these mention a pivotal circumstance. Some positive, some negative. And in these moments, whether positive or negative, they open us up to God, His plan, and His purpose. C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, The Problem of Pain, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You know why we may not hear, we may not hear the whispers? Because we may be too busy. You know why we don't hear the warnings in our conscience? Because we're too confident in ourselves. We we think we're fine, without God, until we're not. That's the moment when nothing has worked. It's in the moment when no one else can help us. In the early church, like the church in countries where the gospel is outlawed, it's forbidden, they suffered. Suffering and injustice were normal to them. In America, it's different, man. Suffering is not normal. There's freedom, there's liberty, there's independence. And the early church suffered physically and still remained faithful to God. Why? Because they knew who he was. They knew who he was. And they knew what he called them to do. So Jesus had a brother named James. And James became a follower of Jesus after the resurrection. The resurrection changed everything for James. James ended up being murdered because of his faith. And this is what he taught. You know that the testing of your faith, let's just pause there for a second. Here's what he's saying, that our faith is meant to be tested. Our faith, your faith, my faith is meant to be tested. Our faith will be tested through several things, tragedy, temptation, sin, and people. It will come sometimes from your sin nature. We talked about this a couple months ago in the sermon series, The Human Condition, that all of us are born with a with with the sin nature, right? We we, we joked um, a couple months ago. We don't have to teach our kids how to do wrong; they already know how to do it. We have to teach them right and wrong, the difference between the two, and we have to teach them right. Why? Because we are we all have a natural proclivity to sin. Not only do we have uh, testing through our human condition, our sin nature, but also the devil. And, and demonic oppression. And people who hate the name of Jesus. And also a broken world filled with pain, tragedy, and death. I mean, we have this world that is longing to get back to what it was like before sin. And he continues. You know the testimony of your faith. What? Produces Perseverance. See, the result of a faith being tested is a persevering faith, a faith that keeps going regardless of circumstance. See, when you meet someone with big faith, you've met someone whose faith has been tested. Experiencing nothing but rainbows and unicorns and cupcakes, nothing but good days, listen, it will not create a persevering faith. Experiencing nothing but good days will not create a persevering faith. Now, I don't want you to miss this. If our faith hasn't been tested, we don't really know if we believe what we claim to believe. It's like sparring without ever entering the ring. We are called to get into the ring. Our faith is meant to be tested. Greg Lurie, who was the pastor and producer of the movie Jesus Revolution, said the following statement after he lost his 33 year old son in a car accident. A faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. A faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. See, Jesus used pivotal circumstances to test the disciples' faith, and we talked about this in part two of this series we saw Jesus ask his disciples to figure out a a game plan to provide lunch for 5,000 and what he was doing he, he was preparing them for life without him and in another situation closer to his death notice what Jesus says to Peter I prayed for you Simon I prayed for you that your faith may not fail that's what I prayed Simon I pray that your faith would not fail and imagine Jesus saying this to you. I mean, you've sacrificed a great deal to follow him. I mean, you've been one of the first followers you 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 sacrificed you gave up your fishing business, leaving your leaving your wife behind, and he's praying that your faith doesn't fail i mean they all they all knew something was gonna was gonna happen. I mean The religious leaders were not happy with Jesus. Rome was starting to get agitated. Notice what he says Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Peter's like, Jesus, I'm all in. You shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to even pray that my faith wouldn't fail. Jesus, I'm all in. Like, I've proven this. And Peter thought so. But his faith hadn't been tested to the point of death. Walking on water was pretty miraculous. And it did take faith. Yet it didn't compare to the night that Jesus was betrayed. See, it it was like a house of cards falling apart. Peter denied Jesus to a young girl who said that he was with Jesus. And then two more times, he was like, no, I I don't know him. I don't know who he is. I don't know him. See, he knew in that moment that his faith wasn't as strong as he thought it was. And with repentance, Jesus restores Peter and then puts him in charge of the church. He's like the point lead. Two months later, Peter and John are arrested for healing a crippled man outside of the temple. Caused a disturbance. Officials put them in jail for the night. The next morning, they were brought before the high priest, Ananias and Caiaphas, the same men who had Jesus arrested, taken to Pilate and advocated for his execution. Now Peter is being tested again. What power or what name did you do this? How how did this crippled man be healed? How, How did that happen? And this was an opportunity for them to get out of jail for free. All they had to do was to, to deny. It said Peter, he speaks and potentially faces the same punishment as Jesus. He says, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified. He went from saying, girl, I don't know him too. Y'all killed him but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. What happened? What happened over those two months? The resurrection. The resurrection changed everything for Peter. It changed everything for James. It changed everything for everybody that was a follower of Jesus. It changed everything. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Peter and John are set free. They go have a prayer meeting with the other followers. They prayed for boldness because they were so confident in God. They had big faith because their faith had been tested. Faith that had been tested, pruned, and built back strong in God. He tested faith is how you discover if you have real faith. See, unforeseen circumstances can be pivotal in either the development of our faith or the undermining of our faith. So what makes the difference? There are three things that make the difference. The first is what we believe. What we believe. People who lose faith due to a change of of fortune generally have a defective faith to begin with. That's why it's so important to have a Jesus centered faith. Without a Jesus centered faith, we'll assume what's not true and claim what's not promised. Here's what I mean by that for some of us, we grew up in church, and it was about the things that we had to do for salvation we had to pray, we had to take communion, we had to recite verses. We had to do things. We had to follow the Ten Commandments. These are all the things that we were taught to do. And none of those things are bad. But these aren't things we do for salvation. They are things we do from salvation. I think for some of us, we have approached the Bible a little differently. Like We assume that the Bible is about us. And the Bible is not about us. The Bible is about Jesus. It pointed to Jesus, and it points back to Jesus. Everything about our faith is about Jesus. Our faith is centered on Jesus. The Bible isn't about us. It's about Him and His kingdom. So, one of the things that makes a difference is what we believe. Another thing that makes a difference is who we listen to. It's really important that we have the right people around us. If we don't have the right people to contextualize pain and suffering then what happens is we begin to draw all the wrong conclusions. Like, for example, Jesus and the disciples, they meet up with a blind man, and the disciples ask Jesus, okay, who sinned? Like, obviously, he's going through this because of sin. Like, did he sin? Did his parents sin? Like, who sinned? And Jesus like, guys, you have the wrong perspective on this. He's clarifying, listen, this happened so that God's work would be displayed in him. This isn't about who sinned sin wasn't the result of this so not only what we believe and who we listen to makes a difference but how we frame it how we frame the circumstance someone once said if we can spot god in it we're more likely to maintain maintain faith through it for example jesus the day of his death tells his disciples i have told you these things So that you may have peace. So that in me you may have peace. Why would they need peace? Because something's going to go awry. Something chaotic is going to happen. He says, In this world, what? You will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And it's true, the world's broken. Bad things will happen to us. God is faithful. And the disciples, man, they lived it out after the resurrection. Through the persecution, the famine, the sickness, and the oppression, the disciples had peace as they saw God's purpose and work in it all. And there are people all around the world who have a similar story as the first disciples. And all their pain and all their suffering, their faith has to been sustained and has been strengthened. And the result is a big faith. See, those three things generally make the difference between difficulties that build our faith or undermine our faith. Disruption, pain, and suffering, guys, listen, is unavoidable. Sometimes it's more the rule than the exception. Suffering will test your faith. And it has the potential to Break your faith. See, when viewed through the proper lens, it has the potential to grow your faith. See, out of the five things that God uses to grow our faith, this one chooses you, it chooses me. We don't choose it. And when it does, because of Jesus, who didn't dodge suffering... we can trust his strength and peace to navigate the suffering. that's why we ought to pray something like this. Heavenly Father, I want to see the way you see. Help me to see the circumstances the way you see that circumstance. And help me to see how this is going to glorify you. There are two questions to think about. How has your faith been tested? If God uses pivotal circumstances to build our faith, then what should your response be next time?